0: I'm sitting all along yeah, what it is, is what it
1: is, and tonight, in just a few seconds, if you can wait, because I can't, what it is, what it is. is- What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 194 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin?
0: What's going on, brother? A uh, star was reborn last night in uh, Manchester Arena, and a, no, it wasn't George Groves, <laughs> and it certainly wasn't Chris Eubank. It wasn't. It was Prince Nassim Hamed, sir. <laughs> Did you hear him just destroying... Chris Eubank after that fight. Oh, it was awesome. I mean, I I I, I just wish I, you're hearing all that shit, and he is just completely calling him out for the the over, you know, just the 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 hype job that he was and exposed as being last night. You wish you would get that from other commentators in boxing because that was just it was fucking hilarious, raw, uncut shit. That it's like, dude, can we just get the
1: truth? Everyone can give me a real opinion, please. <laughs> oh man, his co-host seemed like such shock he was like uh, uh but you know we uh, have a deal with eubank for pay-per-view right <laughs> oh man he's trying to help uh prince nazim keep his jab a little bit longer but i tell you what man it's all about ratings keep this uh, keep the camera on uh, telling a man he should retire he, oh it's perfect <laughs> perfect um yeah we have lots of uh world boxing super series talk to get to the post fight of george Groves versus chris Eubank junior um, we have a preview of the other side of the 168-pound tournament, Callum Smith versus Juergen Um, A lot of post fights from uh, around the United States on ESPN, Showtime, and Fox. And, of course, a preview of Superfly Part 2, Vin. Yeah, going to be some good shit this weekend, boy. Absolutely. Um, we are hitting our stride here at the Tail of the Tape Boxing Podcast as we enter into a sprint portion of the 2018 boxing season. We appreciate all of you tuning in. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play. And be sure to stop by the Boxing Rant YouTube channel today. Give us a follow on Twitter, if you haven't already, at Kenny Keith Jr. and at Vince Cummings 81. And uh, Vin, let's get right down to episode 194 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. It's a World Boxing Super Series, February 17, 2018, Manchester, England, the WBA super middleweight title on the line as George Groves squared off against Chris Eubank Jr. Then coming into this fight, I think we had been a bit fatigued on George Groves uh, mm-hmm. circa 2014, yep. right? Yep. Um, and Chris Eubank Jr. seemed to be young, coming up, um, seemed to improve a little bit over his really sort of piss-poor, nondescript Uh, resume to this point but you, you know things seem to be in chris eubank's favor on paper coming into this because of george groves propensity to peter out at the end of fights we thought that eubank a guy who has shown fitness could go to the end and then overwhelm george groves with some volume punching um but in this case answers had to be um given with Chris Eubank Jr. and George Groves, so many of the questions that we asked about these guys along the way. And the truth is, regardless of previews and predictions, Chris Eubank Jr. did more to prove the two of us right on this show. As we followed the, you know, so-called concocted rise of this kid, he actually answered every question. He did.
0: He did. He he lived up to every kind of stereotype that we that we threw upon him over the last two years and kind of backtracked on here recently. And, and you know, we talked about it in the preview. It it basically boils down to the fact that he fought a, a group of hand-picked opponents since his loss from Billy Joe Saunders, or to Billy Joe Saunders, and, and these guys were, were, were setups to make him look good, to make him appear to be this just, you know, wow, this kid is coming into his own. He, he's starting to develop some power here, you know it was all a mirage. It was all a mirage. And you know, I had somebody say, uh, say to me on Twitter, I can't wait for you guys to eat crow on this episode. There's no chance I'm doing that. (laughs) I've been so critical of Chris Eubank over the last three years and this run that he's been on. And I'm sorry, you know, it was hard to pick George gross because much like Eubank, he has shown very little in the last two years in the sport to make anybody confident in picking him. And let's be 100% clearly honest here about it. We weren't the only guys, and a lot of people picked Eubank coming into this fight. Even Prince Nassim did, even after his his uh, being so critical after the fight of him. The bookies had it that way too, Ken. Chris Eubank Jr. was the favorite. You could you could have gotten, uh, I think Groves was plus 155 Ooh. at the time of the start of the fight. Ooh. That was juicy as hell. That's and I'm a
1: 500 bet right there.
0: You know, I picked Eubank. But by, by the time the fight started, and I've I, I flip flopped ten times in the week leading up to that fight on who I thought was going to win, but right before it started, I started to lean back to Groves and wish that I had stuck with that the whole time. But I will also say this about George Groves, dude, you weren't that good either. <laughs> that wasn't that good of a fight, honestly. I mean, it was okay.
1: It was a bloody mess, Vin. It
0: was it was entertaining, and, and you know the 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 kind of moments that that. That were action packed moments when, when Eubanks would fi- or Eubank would finally get on the inside. It was just, it was kind of ugly. It looked like a wrestling match at times. <laughs> Nobody really landed that many clean shots. Groves did a couple times, maybe hurt Eubank. Uh, not, not that bad. And, and I'm, I'm sorry, I just come away from that fight not that impressed with George Groves either. He looked good enough to win, period, against a guy that got to a certain level. And just clearly, there's no fundamental boxing about him. All that flashy shit you see him doing all the time—that that's all it is. He, he there's no actual classic boxing training. It, it appears in this guy's in this guy's career to this point. He just he, does he know what a fucking jab is?
1: He doesn't have style, and he doesn't have substance. No, and, and you need to have one of those two things to be able to be a successful champion in boxing, right? And that doesn't include you know uh, you know parading around for the rest of your life regardless of what direction your career goes in saying that I was a former super middleweight champion of the world carrying the IBO belt his best bet would be to go back into that alternate universe because there is levels to this I know it's very cliche and I don't think that that Chris Eubank jr's level is so far from from George Groves obviously not you know what I mean um, George Groves handled the fight, but the truth is is that you know, Chris Eubank is at a certain level. And it's if it's below George Groves, then he pretty much becomes a bottom of the top ten type of guy. Now, fortunately for him, he fights in probably the most lackluster uh division of the divisions that get the most attention in boxing. Mm-hmm. You know, so weight class is pretty much above featherweight. Um, you know, 168 has 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 had a a recent uh history to it. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, from the great Joe Calzaghi all the way up to Andre Ward, Carl Froch. I mean, yeah. the Super Six. It's got recent history behind it, and this is the worst po- uh, point um, in probably the last fifteen to twenty years in the history of the super middleweight division. Um, this is, is it's kind of at its most mediocre point. Yeah, Groves could win this thing if Callum Smith beats Jurgen Braemer. Eh, I wouldn't be surprised if he beat Callum Smith. Jurgen
0: Bromer could win this thing.
1: Yes, yes, that's the <laughs> craziest part. Oh my god! I mean, talk about bringing it down to the brass tacks of the situation. Yeah. You know,
0: that's where we're at here. Yeah, that's where we're at. It, this this tournament, you know, even though it's been great, and I love everything about the World Boxing Super Series. I love it too. The production, it's all. Even though it takes fifteen minutes from the from the first guy's <laughs> music hitting for ring walk to them actually ringing the fucking bell. I love that build up. That build up to me is awesome. The production value is is off the charts fucking great. I hope they keep it that way. It 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 gives it a feel of this means a little more. But that doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, let that skew what I'm seeing in the ring in this hundred and sixty eight pound tournament. Let's be honest, this tournament's gonna crown probably the third or fourth best super middleweight in the world. Not the best.
1: No. I mean I don't think you can you can say the winner of this tournament is the best without having uh, fighters such as Gilberto Ramirez and Benavidez in the tournament. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Without those two in it, you, you know, you're exactly right. And and there's other guys on the peripheral. I mean, dude, put Jose, who's got a guy in this. Absolutely. In, in, in this tournament. How would Andre Durrell do in this tournament, Ken? He'd do pretty well until he'd give up. <laughs> right. You know, until things, <laughs> like, uh, stop going his way. He'd
0: be up 7-1 against <laughs> Jurgen Brahmer and then somehow lose the fight down the
1: stretch. <laughs> oh, man. But I, look, I'll say this. Uh, the anticipation alone for this fight for me uh, made this really exciting for me. I agree. This is not a fight of the year, Canada. This was sloppy as hell. But the tension early on was good. Um, I thought Chris Eubank Jr. deserves all the credit in the world for fighting on um, as that gash in his eye. I mean, it got worse and worse and worse. It did not improve. Um, you know, and, it, and and let's be honest. Some people took the optics of the fight with the referee, with the bloody shirt, as saying, "Oh, uh, oh, the ref shirt was bloody. It had to have been a good fight." <laughs> no, why not look at it from this angle? The fucking ref shirt was bloody. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it has absolutely zero bearing on the outcome and what uh, uh, transpired in the ring. <laughs>
1: Oh, man, but w- what we do know uh, that happened is that George Groves won this fight pretty easily. I, you know, I scored it 9-3 to for Groves, man.
0: Yeah, that's, that's what I had it. I don't, you know, I saw some people out there with 7-5, and yet there was obviously the 115, 113 card. I, uh, I, 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 I don't know where you get that. I don't, I don't know how Eubank won five rounds in that fight. No. Three, I think, is, is almost, it could have been a 10-2 fight, honestly.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, and I'm sure some had it 10-2 ringside. Ben, let me ask you a question. This injury that we're hearing about um after the fight to George Groves, how is this going to impact the timeline of a tournament that's come off uh, pretty, you know, consistently?
0: Yeah, there, there there's been no hitches in in the giddy up of this tournament, but there's there's about to be because it, it looks like and it was a pretty clear moment in the 12th round where Groves throws out a jab and then you you start seeing him work his shoulder. He's like, "What the fuck happened there?" And it, we don't know exactly. We haven't gotten final word, but obviously it was at least a separated or uh, dislocated shoulder of some sort. Um, if that's the case and it's a, and it's serious enough, it could be three four months before he's even able to start training. And then you got an eight week training camp, so you're looking at you know they wanted to have this final in early June. It, it's it's going to end up being July, maybe even August by the time Groves is ready to fight again. And you get, you kind of got a feel for Groves too because. They're not going to, like, this thing has to come to a conclusion here. It's not going to drag on. They don't want to bring in, you can't bring in somebody. Who are you going to bring in? You're going to let Eubank fight (laughs) Callum Smith? You can't do that after that performance. Absolutely not. You can't just grab another guy off the street. So they're going to have to wait. It's just you feel bad for Groves is going to be coming off an injury that won't be able to test it going into a fight against a guy that, you know, whether it's Callum Smith or Jurgen Brommer, you're going to be in for. It's not going to be an easy fight.
1: All right, well, I guess we can uh, go ahead and preview this thing, and then whenever the final happens, um, hopefully it's not too far after the cruiserweight tournament. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because uh, people would probably fall asleep, especially, you know, we know how boxing likes to operate during uh, the, the hotter months. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, things seem to slow down. But, hey, look, for the meantime, until we know the story on George Groves and who he'll face, Callum Smith and Jurgen Brommer are going to have to do the deal to figure this thing out. Mm-hmm. From Nuremberg, Germany, this Saturday night, Callum Smith squares off against Jurgen Brahmer. There's a lot of expectation versus a lot of experience in this fight, Ben.
0: Yeah, uh, and, you know, coming off the performance that Callum Smith had against Eric Skoglund in a fight that was, ooh, if that wasn't a, a draw, well, it was damn close. Uh, Callum Smith was very lucky to walk out of there as the winner of that fight. And we saw Jurgen Brahmer dominate a guy in Rob Brandt that, will be a pick that I'd never live down (laughs) Uh, and $150 that I'll never get back. (laughs) Can't believe you did that. Ah, Dude, just because Brommer looked like a skeleton. And like I've said, you never, ever, ever. I mean, guys can look like shit at the weigh-in. That doesn't mean everything. And that's what I made that bet based on. And Brommer will probably look that way again. The guy's just a vet. He's been around. He knows what he's doing. And at the end of the day, Ken, he's promoted by the Sourlands. He's fighting in his hometown he might have a bit of an advantage going into this fight. I didn't fight.
1: even consider that.
0: Yeah, he's fighting in his hometown, promoted by the Sourlands. You know, I, is he the better – I'll put it like this. He's a good enough fighter to make it close enough for that to be the advantage in him getting the win in that fight.
1: Oh, man. Well, I guess Callum Smith's going to have to live up to his potential then, huh? You uh, fi- Hopefully. Finally. Please. Can you? I don't know. I don't know. The Smiths don't fare very well on the road. No, they don't
0: fare very well on the road, and they just – all of them, when it when it's that big when it's their big night, they always come up fucking short.
1: Do you think he gets nervous knowing that it's not versus TBA,
0: <laughs> and he's not on TV? Yeah. Now this is the main event with the big lights of the of the WBSS, so <laughs> Um Yeah, I, I'm sure there's going to be more
1: nerves than he's ever dealt with. Oh, the Smith clan's going to be fucking sharding themselves all night. Stay away <laughs> from the fucking Thai food before this one. Um, look, I like Callum Smith. I think his size advantage is gonna be the one thing that can uh negate Jurgen Brahmer's experience on this. He's gotta be able to use that size advantage. He's got to be able to get to Jurgen Brahmer's body because there's no better way to sort of dispatch an older fighter yeah. that's been through the ringer than to fucking chop him down early. We know that Callum Smith, when he can land that, you know, that left hook to the body, dude, it's brutal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Both hands to the body. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think that that's something that he has to do. He's got to fight tall in this fight. He's got to use his advantages. The one thing about Callum Smith, though, being so tall, he sort of fights like Gilberto Ramirez. Neither of them really take advantage of their, you know, the true physical advantages that if they could couple their natural ability and and and, and try to resist the thought of standing in this classic boxer stance and just fight tall. Yeah. I mean, both of them would be light years beyond where they are right now.
0: They would. They would. Uh, and, and, you know, it, we got to remember, too, when you think about this fight and you think about Jurgen Brommer looked really good against Rob Brandt. Well, it was Rob Brandt. So, you know, I don't know how much I'm willing to put behind Brommer at right now as a, as a serious threat. Now, yes, you did hear me say earlier that he could win this tournament. Sure. Because it's just that's where we're at in this tournament. None of these guys are, are 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 good enough, solid enough fighters. I don't care who you are, where you can sit back and say to me, I'm 100% positive that this guy has the goods to win this tournament because they don't. And if they do, they haven't proven it. And Callum Smith is number fucking one on that list <laughs> uh, as a guy who has proven nothing against top-notch talent. You know, And I agree 100% with you. If he's going to win this fight, you got a guy coming down from his natural weight of 175. Now this is his second fight at doing that. He might he might handle the weight drain a little bit better than he did the first go round. But you're right, attack the body, man. He's going to be weight drained I, I, it, no matter what. He it's it, it, it's tough for him to get to that weight. You want to fucking wear him down or, or or make it tough for him later in the fight. You got to go to the body early, and that's where Calum Smith needs to. He needs if he's going to win that fight, he's going to have to put some fucking money in the bank down there, bud.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what's your prediction for the fight?
0: I will say that uh, it goes the distance. I don't think Callum Smith has the power to stop Braumer, and Braumer's a, a, a solid enough veteran fighter to survive. But I think Callum Smith's going to win seven, eight rounds in this fight and, and win the fight.
1: Okay. Um, I think that Callum Smith's going to do one of two things. I think what you said earlier on in this discussion is is one possibility for me, and I, and and I'm leaning about 50% towards this that Callum Smith um, under delivers and Jurgen Brahmer is able to win because <laughs> right. of, of, of you know, the Sauerland equation has a lot to do with it. Right. Um, but the other part of it is that Callum Smith will do the exact opposite um, and he'll step up where he needs to. I'm going to go with what I've been saying the entire time about Callum Smith. I don't want to back off it like I did with Chris Eubank Jr. I just want to keep it going. I just want right. to, uh, you know, I'm I'm staying in line. I don't want to be deterred with a lackluster performance against Eric Skoglin, okay? I think Callum Smith stops Jurgen Brommer late, um, and I think it's the body work that does it. I think he fulfills his game plan on this one.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, that's a big statement, and if he does that, that, uh, that will put a major hype train behind that Groves-Callum Smith final.
1: Oh, and Groves may delay this injury thing. He may fucking milk it a little bit, too. Absolutely. And, you know,
0: I, I wouldn't I'd necessarily blame him, honestly. yeah, yeah. Y- y- That's going to be a tough fight. You want to make sure you're 100% coming into that fight.
1: I think that's what the intrigue about this fight. It's not a big star-studded fight. This will be big in Germany. There's no doubt about it. You know, uh, European fight fans uh, will definitely be talking about this all week. But I think it's the unknowns in this fight with Callum Smith and the unknowns with Jurgen Brommer's sustainability at this weight. Um, one guy's young, underdeveloped. One guy's old, uh, a little ripe on the vine, <laughs> yeah. if you will. Yeah. So that's the intrigue that lends itself to this semifinal. So I'm cool with it, man. I'm looking forward to Callum Smith versus Juergen Brommer. I, I, any fight
0: involving the WBSS, uh, it's good for boxing. That's m- the main thing that makes me like, you know what? Whether I think this is a great fight or not, this is the way this sport should fucking be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, let's get to the post-fight. Uh, this past uh, weekend, February 16th on ESPN from Reno, Nevada, Ray Beltran versus Pallas Moses for the vacant WBO lightweight title. What would you think of the fight, ben?
0: Uh It was better than I thought it was going to be, and I'll tell you what, if you had money on Pallas Moses, you had a sweat going on because that boy was like plus 3,500 coming into that fight. Yeah, I mean, a, a very, very solid performance from a guy that really – I don't think anybody gave a real chance and thought was a set-up opponent. Uh, Beltran had a rough, rough time getting that belt.
1: I think the only reason that that line was open in the Vegas books is because um, Vegas probably had money on of Moses. <laughs> I mean, otherwise, why even, have, right. why even have that line out there for an option?
0: Yeah, I I, I don't know how a bookmaker, any bookmaker, would know enough about Paulus Moses to set that line <laughs> like that.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, look, man. Um... The coronation, the ongoing, uh, you know, praise and adulation of, you know, uh, a guy with a just tough luck career. Yeah. Becoming, uh, you know, like you said last week, a power puncher late in his career. Um, a guy that's been, you know, popped twice for PEDs, but is somehow, some way, he's like the favorite child. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like... The same rules don't apply to him as that apply to Luis Ortiz. Luis Ortiz was actually just taking shit for blood pressure medicine, right? And he gets fucking castigated and banished, right? And, yeah. and, and until he is ripe for the picking,
0: yeah, it, it cracks me up every time when it comes to the guy. I mean, you know, he somehow is just—he's
1: uh, a great guy, Vin. Yeah,
0: he's a chameleon when it comes to comes to all that shit. He just he somehow avoids it. I I don't get it, but he he's able to do it. He finally gets his belt, and I know, like, people are like, "Yeah, well, you know, he was robbed that night against Ricky Burns in England, and he, that's when he should have won the title." Well, guess what? He also popped for steroids after that bout, and I don't know if it was it wasn't because it wasn't the testing of that bout, but the next fight or or, or whatever it was after that, he tested pot. Let's let's keep it real here. He's probably juicing, right? <laughs> I mean, he destroyed Ricky Burns. I mean, almost to the level of what Terrence Crawford did and 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 Ricky Burns was you know was Ricky Burns that great of a fighter nobody that kind of, that fight kind of changed him cuz he <laughs> took a beating yeah, yeah. Uh, you know uh, it is what it is i like the guy i respect the guy you know you you tested positive 2 years ago as long as you're testing clean now and you're still winning fights I'm I'm fine with it. That doesn't mean he's he's still not juicing and masking that shit somehow. No,
1: but they're acting like that. This was like the Eagles winning their first Super Bowl.
0: <laughs> you, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it, it's a little overblown when when it's kind of like everybody just temper themselves a little bit. Yes, yeah. let's let's keep an eye on the facts of the situation.
1: He's a good guy, Vin. He is. Well, good for Ray Beltran. <laughs> good for Ray. Beltran. Good job, Bud. Good job, man. <laughs> All right, then the co feature Gideas Kavalowskis, I guess they're calling him Egas now? Yeah, uh, they always seem to change up on us. Egas Kavalowskis, the meme machine versus David Avenisi in a welterweight fight. What would you think about old uh, Egus Kavalowskis? Well, I'll tell you what. Stoppage here.
0: What, I'll tell you what. Uh, he's he's become a fighter that, uh, you know, you he, he saw him two years ago and you went, man, if this guy keeps this fucking reckless style, I mean, he's going to mow through everybody just – too powerful for is, is what I initially thought watching him a couple years ago too powerful for the 147 pound division this guy is going to be a problem we've seen now that he's gotten to you know up into the top 10 and, and fighting top 15 fighters in the world he's developed uh, some boxing and he's not the same fighter it's not I, I, I just couldn't help but think this isn't the mean machine anymore now it's not to say he didn't fight very well. And, and showed some really, really improved de- uh, improved defense and, and improved timing and boxing ability that I haven't seen. I just, you know, I wonder if we're not going to need to see some of the, the old Egas when he gets in with the best in the world to kind of get some respect, because I don't think he has the boxing ability to compete with the likes of Terrence Crawford or the best at 147 pounds fighting
1: that way. No, no, he's got a, uh, a little bit of a road to... Uh... The trek here.
0: And after the fight, he made it clear he's not quite ready. He needs a little bit more seasoning before he's ready to fight these guys.
1: Well, at least he knows that. Yeah. I'll tell you who needs a a lot of seasoning uh, before I see him on TV again, and that's Shakur Stevenson. Oh,
0: my God. I mean, look, the kid has zero, zero power. I mean, zero. He punches like a fucking girl. Sorry, (laughs) ladies. Sorry. But that's what it looks like to me. I. I don't see anything special about the kid. I'm not hating on the kid, but this would not be a guy that if I saw and didn't know the the Olympic past and the fact that I've had to watch his first six fucking fights, uh if I if this was the first time you're showing me him and you're uh, and you're telling me this guy's the future of, of American boxing. I'm going to look at you after two rounds and go, Nah, he's not. He's just not. I'm sorry, he's not that good. I don't see anything special about this kid."
1: Imagine if they were still on HBO. Imagine, look, remember the things that Max was saying about Tevin Farmer? Yeah. In his last fight? Imagine what he would
0: be saying about Shakur Stevenson. Oh, my God, that would be un-fucking-sufferable.
1: That just gave me a migraine for the next week. (laughs) Look, look, I'm with you on this. You know, I I know you've been adamant about it from from the jump about Shakur Stevenson and, and, and guys that just turned pro. Like, okay, this guy clearly needs 20 fights yeah. before I see him on TV again. But guess what? We're going to see him every single time. And it's actually going to hurt this kid's potential brand. Because at least, look, Felix Verdejo was shown to us very early as well. Yeah. But at least, Phil, you know, Felix Verdejo had these physical tools. I'll
0: think about the, di- the difference between them. I mean, that even though Verdejo has become nothing in the sport.
1: Right, right. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, dude, he was electrified. Yes,
0: you could see something special there.
1: Yeah, it just didn't have it between the ears. No. <laughs> All right, so that'll do it. It's an ESPN card from Reno, Nevada. Um, let's get to last night's action on Showtime, then. It was Las Vegas, Nevada, the WBC welterweight eliminator between Danny Garcia and Brandon Rios. I think I made it very clear how I felt about this fight coming into it. One of the things that's so bizarre to me is this conversation and like treating this fight, Danny Garcia versus Brandon Rios, as some kind of legitimate fight that, you know, requires and uh, necessitates actual legitimate boxing breakdown and analysis to go with it. I don't know why anybody took this seriously. I don't know why anybody thought that Brandon Rios could possibly give Danny Garcia. There's no chance. Danny Garcia is doing with Brandon Rios to a much lesser degree because I think he's less interested now than he was before that he did with Eric Morales. They tried to take Eric Morales. Yes, is he a Hall of Famer? Yes, is he one of the greatest Mexican fighters of all time? Yes, but he was toast like five years before that against Manny Pacquiao ended his career. They're using these names to try to elevate a guy who they think still has value in this sport. Danny Garcia not only is 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 very disinterested in, in, in trying to build some kind of re- real career, after the Keith Thurman fight, it was done for me. It was signed, sealed, and delivered that he is a step below Keith Thurman, Terrence Crawford, and Errol Spence and will always be a step below. So we're going to get these B-level fights that never lead to anywhere. The rest of his career, he may have one decent fight, the rest of his career, it's going to be bullshit just like this one. And 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 I think, you know, uh, not to get, like, overly long-winded as I already have and wasted so much of my life <laughs> in the last fucking minute talking about this, but, dude, I say it all the time. Punch yourself in the dick <laughs> for lending credence and credibility to this thing before it kicked off. Seriously.
0: No, uh, you're 100% correct. I mean, this is a typical Danny Garcia fight, and... You 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 spoke of the crafted you know kind of resume that they that he has not to the you know layman boxing fan that just kind of watches and doesn't pay attention. Otherwise, uh, you'd go, yeah, I, shit, I know all those fucking names. I know I, I know all those. He's beat a lot of fucking good good fighters. No, you gotta you gotta peel back the next layer, my friend, because <laughs> this guy's been picking cherries for years, and this was another one. Brandon Rios is not a natural welterweight. He's not a puncher at all. And I would be 100% honest. If Brandon Rios was a puncher and some of the shots he was landing on Garcia last night, earlier in the fight, Garcia would have been in trouble. He got hit a lot by a guy that is past it, so past it. And the, the most annoying thing about this fight and the lead up to this fight was listening. Garcia is the most delusional. He uh, He has far surpassed Amir Khan. This fucking guy has no idea wh- wh- where he stands and where people think of him in the grand scheme of the 147 pounds. He thinks he beat Keith Thurman. That fight being a split decision was a fucking joke. That was an 8-4 fight. Thurman clearly the better fighter. After that fight, you went, okay, don't need to see any more Thurman. Clearly better than Danny Garcia. Absolutely. But now, you know, he, this guy's spent the entire week I won that fight. I I thought after the fifth round, he lost everything. I took control. I dominated down the stretch, blah, blah, blah. But no, this guy is so fucking delusional. And then he says, I ain't scared to fight anybody. I'll fight Errol Spence next. And you have people dumb enough to fucking believe what comes out of this guy's mouth. They're like, well, at least Danny Garcia says he's willing to fight Errol Spence. No, he isn't. Yeah, but that. that, No, he isn't. That group of people
1: think that's just as good as somebody actually getting in the ring and fighting somebody.
0: Danny Garcia, why, why are we all of a sudden, because Danny Garcia said something, I'm to give him the benefit of the doubt and think that he's
1: telling the truth? No, this guy's full of shit. He's an average fighter with a fucking average motor with quicksand, concrete, cinder block feet. I mean, come on, for God's sakes, he has fucking six toes on one foot. I mean, dude, <laughs> this, he is so average to me. He is so average at the world level. I'm telling you right now, Vin, I will put $100 on the table right now that says I will take Jesse Vargas over Danny Garcia tomorrow.
0: It'd be a damn close fight. I know that. Uh, How about the guy in the the, uh, lead-in fight, Ugas, who who won? Uh, He would give Danny Garcia trouble. Anybody in the top 10 will give Danny Garcia trouble. He's not very good.
1: He's the fifth best fighter.
0: And now somehow, you know, yeah. That's being nice. Honestly, you're being generous. Thank you. You're a generous man. I am. Uh, Now we hear after the fact, you know, Sean Porter's been the number one contender for the WBC (laughs) for a while now, right? Sean. And and after he's on their website today, Sean Porter, ranked number one. Well, the WBC just tweeted this morning, congratulations to Danny Garcia for winning the final, the final eliminator to become the number. I mean, that means you're the number one contender. So Porter just got bumped off his perch overnight for no reason. And and we saw, you know, backstage at that fight and kind of all weekend, Porter and Thurman, John, back and forth. You know, I, I respect Porter, you know, what he's trying to do. But let's be honest, Sean, okay? You're giving Keith Thurman a bunch of shit because he doesn't want to fight you right now and this and that and the other. I, I, and this is not to defend Keith Thurman, people. Sure, man. We all know where where Keith Thurman stands. What Some of the shit came out of his mouth this weekend was, I don't know where the fuck the guy's head is. But you, you, as Sean Porter, look, why you, you, I keep, you keep calling out Thurman. Danny Garcia keeps calling out Thurman. Clearly, both of those guys think there is, that Thurman is washed up, and this is their best chance to get a belt. The bottom line is Sean Porter and Danny Garcia need to fight, and the winner of that can fight Keith Thurman because I don't want to see both of them fight him again. If one of you beats the other, you earn the shot. Absolutely, you'll get the mandatory status. But come on, just to throw, to elevate Danny Garcia there right now for beating Brandon Rios, is Brandon Rios even ranked? I didn't see him on the WBC page.
1: doesn't matter. He's probably 15th. (laughs) Danny Garcia and and Sean Porter, um, they're not going to get Keith Thurman next anyways, so they may as well fight. But you know what... That's not going to be the case because, you know, Danny Garcia is going to get Devin Alexander. But hold on a second. Maybe not. Let's delay it all even more, Vin, because guess what? Alexander and Ortiz was a draw. We're going to have to run that back. That way, (laughs) that way, DSG has a little bit more time to get ready for his tune-up fight for Keith Thurman. It's like, who gives a fuck? And look, let's get down to the crux of this, okay? Let's stop fucking tap dancing around it. Yeah. The next time I hear somebody tell me how fucking talented 147 pounds is, I'm going to karate chop them into the Adam's apple. Okay? <laughs> stop, stealing my move, man. Stop telling me that. Yeah. Stop telling me that these guys will do anything to avoid one another. There's a, 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 a cluster or a clump of these guys that are right there in the middle of it. Right? Right there ranked from, say, like six to two that have no interest in No interest whatsoever in defining the career in the way they want to. They can blame each other, whatever. The way I see it is, Terrence Crawford hasn't even fought a fight at 147 pounds, and it is crystal fucking clear (laughs) that Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford are the two best fighters in this division. I mean, get over yourselves. I'm not going to argue that. You know, look, here's the reality of the situation as it pertains to the WBC and the relationship that they have with Danny Garcia. This motherfucker is going on the Adonis Stevenson plan for the rest of his career. And guess what? The WBC will never have to answer to it because every once in a while they'll force a fight that doesn't want to be made, but not with the Al Heyman guys.
0: No, no. It's funny how that works, huh? Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I mean, give me a break, man. These guys.
0: The WBC just... has been in bed with with the PBC in the 147-pound division for since Floyd has retired.
1: They're just hoping Floyd's going to return that's it
0: yeah well he's not (laughs) sorry
1: he going mma vince yeah (laughs) get
0: the fuck out of here
1: oh man
0: that 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 little uh video was pretty funny of him running in the fucking octagon bouncing around like
1: a retard (laughs) (laughs) i'd rather see him with a luchador mask on you know what i mean (laughs) yeah in wwe i'd rather see a rematch versus the big show yeah why
0: not (laughs) I'd tune in for that.
1: I'd tune in for that before I would tune in for another Danny Garcia fight.
0: Uh, and I misspoke on Brandon Rios. Ken, you know, he's been he's been around at one forty seven for a long time. He's ranked nine. I, I, I misspoke.
1: How many? What's his record at one forty seven?
0: Zero and two.
1: No, I think there was a. Dr- What was it? A no contest or a draw against uh, uh, Diego uh, uh, Chavez. Yeah. Diego Chavez. Uh, Well, well, I can't remember. I can't remember. I think they got disqualified for being assholes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Brandon Rios doesn't have a track record at 147 pounds. He got marked by Manny Pacquiao. He got marked by Tim Bradley. I mean, older versions of both of those fighters. Yeah and this was going to be a legitimate fight because these two guys are recognizable names, it's no disrespect to Brandon Rios. Let's be honest. At this point in his career, when was he ever going to get a $500,000 payday? So good for him. Yeah. If he's willing to get knocked out by that weak-ass push right hand (laughs) by Danny Garcia, you want to talk about pushing it? It looked like a freaking... like a high school girls basketball player shooting free throws. <laughs> a chess pass? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was weak. It landed right on the button, though. It did. It did. Uh, you know, there was nothing
0: spectacular about it other than, you know, Brandon Rios is not a guy. He, look, he's, he's been in wars for years. Uh, when you fight the way Brandon Rios fought and you live the way he lived in his lifestyle when he wasn't in the ring. Rode hard and put away wet. <laughs> yes, exactly, my friend. It's like your <laughs> local hooker, man. When they hit their 40s, they're done.
1: <laughs> oh man gosh we spend way too much time talking about danny garcia that's just fun
0: talking about him sometimes okay
1: <laughs> when's he gonna get rid of that porcelain
0: clown mask that he wears <laughs> never i hope he doesn't i it, i look forward to seeing that retard walk
1: out in that just mask. like deontay wilder's labyrinth mask that he wears yeah like he's at a masquerade ball
0: how about uh how about jim gray last night did you see that no what happened <laughs> so <laughs> the post-fight interviews in the ring You know, Sean Porter's in there, and him and Danny Garcia are going back and forth. Danny is saying, I'm from Philly. We don't back down from nobody. I'll come to your gym and spar you tomorrow. I'll spar you tomorrow. Porter's like, I don't want to spar, motherfucker. I want to fight. He's like, we go to the streets. I take this to the streets. And eventually, Jim Gray kind of breaks it up, right, And, and starts interviewing Garcia. But you can hear Kenny and Sean Porter still in the background mouthing off, and they're off the camera. Jim Gray turns around with the mic and goes, Get out of the ring. <laughs> really? Would you get out of the ring? It's like, damn, dude. Old Jimmy getting heated.
1: Oh, gosh. Um, cool. Having a Larry Merchant moment. <laughs> it's Having more and more of those every day. Um, all right. Let's get to the co-feature, Vin. Let's get past your boy, DSG. I was really disappointed in you changing your Twitter avatar from that uh, uh, Rod Salka pick.
0: I, it had to be done. It,
1: it's it run its course. Yeah, it'd been on there for like three years. Yeah. That's how long you'd been cherry picking. <laughs> I thought for sure you'd take that down after the you know, after Keith dispatched D S <laughs> G.
0: Now I got now I got A B dabbing,
1: brother. Oh, A B. <laughs> Hashtag me too for A B. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, all right. So uh co feature David Benavidez versus Ronald Gavril too. This was the most necessary rematch of all time. Uh, yeah, Considering Benavides won the first fight. Yeah. I mean, it
0: was close. A late knockdown made it interesting.
1: Did it necessitate an entire rematch though, Ben? <laughs> no,
0: it did not. And that was clearly displayed by I mean just Benavides when when it, when he is on like he was last night. This kid puts punches together almost better than anybody in the sport combination-wise and, and and varying speed and angle of of, of what of the punch that he throws, uh, you know, I love watching this kid fight. He's He is quickly becoming one of my favorite fighters to watch.
1: Nice. Um, I'm looking forward to him, man. Too bad, like we said earlier, he's not in that 168 tournament. Yeah. Just he'd be uh, having some guys shaking in their boots right now. Oh,
0: he'd, dude, he'd be a huge favorite in that tournament.
1: You want to see uh, Benavidez versus Eubank? <laughs>
0: I'd take it. I would.
1: <laughs> Somebody be bleeding in that fight uh, for Eubank,
0: sure. Eubank might die in that fight.
1: All right, then. Last stop on the PBC nightmare train. God damn it. Um, I just have to sit here right now and profess how unbelievably outraged I am. (laughs) Then Devin Alexander clearly defeated Victor Ortiz. Wasn't close. I had it 11 to one then. I am outraged at this decision. (laughs) Are you? Does it matter that much? Oh, man, like I said last night on Twitter, dude, actually give yourself a double tap punch to the dick, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. If you're outraged at the decision for this fight. Look, I like Devin Alexander being, like, in the mix in boxing. I dude he's no more than a gatekeeper at this point that's why he's fighting victor ortiz but what i love about devin alexander is his twitter account i don't even know if he's even allowed to still have one
0: uh, i think he's i think he's cleaned himself up ken if you watch the pre-fight uh video on devin, devin alexander
1: oh all of a sudden he's not a misogynist well
0: <laughs> apparently uh he was an opiate head, and now he's clean. Ah, the Ron. Yes. The Ron
1: got him. Yeah. <laughs> Devron Alexander. <laughs> oh, who gives a fuck? All right, let's get on to the fight preview this week. <laughs> what do you I think? I like that transition. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right, look, this is what we're here for. I'm sorry it took us 41 minutes to get to it, but deal with it. Uh, it's Superfly 2, Vin. Yeah. The main event of this fight is going to be one that I think anybody that has, um, you know, any sense in boxing is going to have to just, uh, you know, froth over HBO has taken. I don't even know if they've taken a dump. I think they just got the squirts. They can't even get a solid one out these days. (laughs) This main event, though, is probably the one shining beacon outside of an HBO pay-per-view that we're all going to spend, you know, 100 bucks on anyways. It's Cat Sorung Vise versus Juan Francisco Estrada for the WBC Super Flyweight Championship of the World from the Forum in Inglewood. You're always up to no good.
0: Always, always.
1: Donnie Nietzsche versus Juan Carlos Reveco for the IBF Flyweight title and Carlos Quadras versus McWilliams Arroyo um, in a Super Flyweight bout. I like this card from top to bottom. This main event is really, really hard for me to pick, man. I know you more than anybody that I've listened to or have talked to about the modern boxing landscape as it pertains to the lower divisions, I think you have probably the most sound and solid respect for Kat for Sorung Vise out of anybody. You've been calling it since his first performance against Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez that there's something to this guy. It's hard to say that this he's not a stylist. No. You know what I no. mean? He fits many stereotypes as it pertains to Asian fighters being very, very tough. But there's actually something to this guy, and I think it's a determination that only a master craftsman in the prime of their career like Juan Francisco Estrada can solve at this point. He may be the only guy that can beat Vise right now. But guess what? I'm not giving you my prediction yet. I'm not so sure he can do it,
0: though. I, I, I'm not either, man. It's a tough one to call. And, and Juan Francisco Estrada's last performance and what he was able to do, and come back in that fight, and kind of uh, be a punisher almost—not on the level of, of of Rungvisai and what he what we've seen from him in the last two fights against Chocolatito, which is just a, a guy that seems uh, possessed in the ring. There, there's you are not going to stop this man from the task at hand, which is destroying whoever stands in front of him. And, and I'll tell you what, this thing, this fight has completely snuck up on me because it's, it's, I haven't been thinking about it. Coming up here today, I'm like, holy shit! We're previewing the what was at the start of the year. My mo- my most anticipated fight is this fight right here. Um, I, it's almost like a uh, it's a it, to me it, it's 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 kind of like a a super flyweight version of Juan Manuel Marquez and Manny Pacquiao. Now, it, it, stylistically wise, I, I, I realize there's some there's some differences between, but as a comparison of what the fight might look like and a guy that's going to be Aggressive, try to get on the inside. Try to punish you. Uh, try to hit you with with big left hands. And, and a guy that's going to look to be smart, time counter, box. Use use his his boxing ability to to take advantage of you. I, I just think this fight's going to be fucking. It's going to be beautiful to watch.
1: To me, it comes down to this. All right, the size advantage that Vise has in this fight. Mm-hmm. All right, if Vise is able to break juan francisco estrada at some point in the first six rounds of this fight that he'll be in good shape the issue that i have is is the way that juan francisco estrada fought in his last fight is not going to be the best way to take on rung Vise. no you cannot play you know you can't lay in the weeds and wait for the guy and pick your moment against rung Vise. i think you're gonna have to pick your moments early and often juan francisco estrada May be the best counter puncher in boxing. Mm-hmm. His ability to bait you in and wear you down, being the more, you know, the smaller guy. Yeah. He does this. He lays traps. And we saw in his last fight his ability to counter and hit with purpose late in a fight. If he can survive the size advantage, Rung pushing him laying on him, forcing his weight on him, wearing him down. If Estrada can absorb the power, I think Estrada wins this fight late. But if he can't, I will not be surprised if Vise lifts this belt once again. And you beat Chocolatito back-to-back, and you beat Juan Francisco Estrada, I'm sorry, man. There's not much more to do for this guy. Who else? If he's not in the top,
0: I don't do pound-for-pound list. But if you do and he's not in the top five, and he wins this fight. But you're drunk. You're missing something. Yeah. You're you're completely missing something because Juan Francisco Estrada, Francisco Estrada is clearly the better boxer. Oh, but that not, doesn't mean not he, even close. That that doesn't that doesn't mean he's going to win this fight. But I think what you can take from the first Chocolatito Rungvasai fight is uh down the stretch of that fight, Rungvasai started to wear down and Chocolatito started to take over later. And I think you saw in the Quadras fight with Estrada that was his Kind of his game plan with Quadras was let him move and wear himself out, and I'll I'll time him, and I'll pick my spots. And when I see spots that I'll – I might not take that chance early, but later on when I see that same spot, I'm going to take advantage of it, and I'm going to land a big shot on you. It, it, it's just to me, you know, a, a prediction in this fight is so hard to make, and I hate to be a fence-sitter in the sport. Just fucking make a pick, right? I, I it's, it's fucking hard. I can't do it here.
1: Fucking make a pick, man. Yeah, uh, Rungvisai. Okay. By
0: knockout. There it is. Sixth round. Really? Yes.
1: So you think that he does break Estrada. Yes. Estrada comes with his game plan that we think he might come with.
0: It's not going to be enough to hold off Vasai. It's not going to be. So
1: he's not going to get his opportunity he, then. He
0: ain't been hit like that before. I'm sorry. He's not been hit, and he's not been in the in the ring with a fighter as big and as powerful as Rungvisai, and that's going to be a problem.
1: Estrada is so deadly accurate with his power punches. He is. I mean, deadly. He hits you square when he hits you. He, he,
0: he hits harder than Chocolatito does. I think that's fair to say. Chocolatito's more of a volume punisher. Mm-hmm. Estrada is more of a, you know, he can hurt you with, with a, a two-punch combination.
1: Well, look, I'm not sitting on the fence. I'm going with my guy in this fight. Yeah. All right. I've been on the uh, El Gallito uh, gravy train for a long time. As have I. Give me Juan Francisco Estrada. Um, by a uh, majority decision at the end of the fight. I think this thing goes to distance. I think Juan Francisco Estrada has to play catch up, and I wouldn't be surprised if he drops Vise late in the fight. But I also wouldn't be surprised on the weight of that decision that Estrada gets dropped early in the fight.
0: Yeah, I, I, this is going to be a tremendous back and forth battle. And I'll tell you what, if Estrada is able to pull it off, um, I think you're looking at a Estrada Chocolatito too. I, I I think that would definitely be what the next fight would be. You know. Rungvasai may not like that, and he may not may or may not have a rematch clause. I don't know. Well, but, if
1: I'm chocolatito, I'd much rather fight Estrada. Oh,
0: absolutely. And you get that belt back and you get the hell out of Dodge before you fight <laughs> Rungvisai again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh
1: Vacaciones por vida. <laughs> um all right. Donnie versus Juan Carlos Raveco. Uh Carlos Quadras versus McWilliams Arroyo. I think both fights are gonna uh you know, be competitive. I like Don Nietes a lot in his matchup against Reveco. Yeah. I think he's an exciting fighter. Yep.
0: Old, uh, but he's still fucking, he's still got it.
1: Yeah, and that's why he's here. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't know if they're trying to put a guy like Reveco over. You know what I mean? I don't think that this fight is there to say, oh, we're going to use Nietes as a stepping stone. <laughs> no. I mean, I could be completely wrong.
0: I've, I've heard rumblings of Nietes possibly being uh, Chocolatito's next opponent, too. Hey, so give it to me. Yeah.
1: Give it to me, baby. Um, Carlos Quadras versus McWilliams Arroyo, this fight should be exciting as long as Carlos Quadras is interested in the fight. If he comes into this fight thinking, like, I'm just coming to Inglewood, California to have fun out in in L.A. Um, He's a
0: superstar in his own right, isn't he?
1: He is. He is. (laughs) And and he does like to have fun. I don't know how interested. Dude, he needs to be interested in this fight because McWilliams Arroyo might win this thing.
0: Yeah, no, this is not an easy night in the ring at all for (laughs) Quadras. Fucking Quadras, man. (laughs) He's a bit of a clown. (laughs)
1: <laughs> He's out there. He can fight, though, man. He, he can. He can. And when he is determined, you saw what he did in the first half of that fight against Estrada. Yeah. He was there to win that fucking fight. He was. He was up probably 4-2 through 6. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, Superfly 2 is going to be great, man. I'm really looking forward to it. HBO is going to have to run back Superfly 3, I guess, to fucking round out their 2018 schedule, huh?
0: I mean, hey, let's do four or five of them. Let's let's go Rocky style on this thing, man.
1: Cool cool <laughs> yeah hbo will have three events a year you're right that'll be neat
0: a canelo pay-per-view superfly and uh well, who knows
1: it'll be like um you know how people you know out of sight out of mind for the Ryder cup you know the world cup the olympics are so like oh the olympics is this year oh hbo's fighting this year <laughs> it's gonna fall into that same category it's, it's trending that way but lampley will be at home he used to cover the olympics he did he did what will max do though well,
0: I don't know. Max, I mean, you can fucking sail off to the sunset as far as I'm fucking concerned.
1: Oh, man. All right. Enough of that. Um, JoJo Diaz in action this Thursday night on ESPN2 against Victor terrazas Edgar Valerio in action. A couple guys coming up. One guy seems to be on the cusp, ready to rock. What's JoJo Diaz going to do after this fight, man?
0: I mean, he's been the number one contender for Gary Russell Jr. for a while man, now. Gurry not interested right now. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, according to Gurry... Jojo ducking,
1: <laughs> so
0: you know I don't. Who the fuck knows where where it's headed? One one thing's for sure: this kid needs a title shot. Yeah, it's that time. It is. Uh, we've waited long enough. He's waited long enough. He's shown the ability that he belongs at that level and, and deserves a shot. I, I just don't see it coming from Gary Russell though. Wait, Gary Russell's gonna gonna come to ESPN?
1: I mean, being his best. Interest. Jojo Diaz going to Showtime.
0: Uh, therein lies the fucking problem in this sport, right? Na- right there.
1: Yep. Air just got sucked out of the room. Yep. But nobody will notice. No. But I am looking forward to the uh, the progression of Edgar Valerio. I think that he could be a special fighter one day.
0: Yeah, he's all right. he's had a couple bumps in the road here, and he's you know been in a couple tough fights. Well, you early. should
1: have tough fights. Exactly. You shouldn't have the the, the path of Deontay Wilder. Uh, yes, top.
0: and I think it'll it'll pay dividends for this kid down the road. And uh, you know, I I think at at some point in time in the next two to three years, you're going to see him in in a big title fight. Yeah, definitely.
1: All right, Ben, little news and notes, and let's get out of here. Um, There's been ongoing talks, and I guess that has now reached the point of a stalemate. Um, In the conversations of a possible fight between Vasily Lomachenko and Jorge Linares, two pound-for-pound talents that I think everybody wants to see because both of them need to continue to climb that ladder. Vasily Lomachenko trying to establish himself uh, more and more and more, taking down all the names they put in front of him. But now he's trying to get notches in his belt. Jorge Linares needs to match his style, um, his mastery in the sport. Most people regard him as one of the uh, probably top two or three technicians and one of the most beautiful fighters I've ever seen fight, let's be honest, in the ring. Mm -hmm. Um, A master of his craft but needs himself. To get his first really big notch on his belt um but now this thing has seemed to come to a political crossroad and i ask you Vin, who's to blame for this stalemate is it golden boy or top rank it's it's everybody it's the sport
0: in general it's the fractured you know we've as much as the top rank deal uh, was great for boxing to get boxing back on espn and Golden Boy to have their prospects on ESPN. And, you know, we've got those two there, and you've got HBO still kind of working exclusively kind of with Golden Boy now, Bob Arum not being in the picture, not really wanting to do business with HBO, which I think has become quite clear at this point in time. Uh, he felt he's feeling a little burned by the fact that they didn't want to pay for certain fights, and he's butthurt about it. He took his business down the road, and he's not willing to do not necessarily willing to do business with them anymore. Uh, You know, I'm sure he will at some point, but to me this is just this negotiation and the bullshit back and forth that we've seen between Bob Arum and Oscar De La Hoya playing their sides where Oscar's saying, hey, you know, May 12th, we have a date on ESPN. Either take that date or sorry, you know, I don't know what to tell you. What's the problem?
1: That's when Lomachenko's fighting. And then
0: Arum's, you know, Arum's going, look, I'm not fighting on HBO. We want to fight on ESPN. what just the level of retardation that this is involved in this sport at the highest level. The reason why this fight can't be made and, and, and all of the best fights can't be made. I mean, this sport has, you know, we've been so positive in the last year, year and a half about this sport. You know, boxing took the AIDS test, Ken. We can't trace it anymore. Ah, now nah, It's back. <laughs> AIDS has reared its fucking head again. The (laughs) sport still has it, and this just goes to prove it. Everything that fucking drives me nuts, both Aram and De La Hoya acting as if, well, we're not the problem, they're the problem. Well, I'm not the problem, they're the problem. No, you're both the fucking problem. Make the fight. Golden Boy, to me, seems like they're scared to risk one of their more lucrative pieces in Linares,
1: and he's not—he's not all that lucrative. And he's
0: not. But who the fuck does Golden Boy have? No, they—they they they got a bunch of young, underdeveloped prospects that may or may not make it someday. But that's—you don't bank your future as a promotional company on that. You have got to have some bankable talent. Jorge Lenars is one of them. Canelo Alvarez another. David Lem, you ain't bankable anymore. No, I—I uh, I don't know who else you have. He's a kind of the, your second tier guy, and I, I'm sorry. That's no reason to, be not, to, to not make this fight. It's, it's a fucking joke that us as boxing fans consistently put up with this shit in the fights that really fucking matter. I, I, pick a fucking date, any date. Pick a station. Pick, pick a fucking channel, whichever one is going to pay more. Wouldn't that fighter and promoter want to go be on that station? Who fucking cares? Honestly, at, at the end of the day, if you're going to make more money, what does it fucking matter? What channel it's on? Honestly, why do you fucking care and stop making these deals? If I'm a fighter, I'm telling my promoter, I will not be involved in any type of deal with a network that says I have to fight there if that's going to handcuff me and going somewhere else to get a fight that I want. It makes no sense. Please, somebody explain to me as a fighter why you would accept that. It's fucking horseshit. I guarantee you. Lomachenko and Lenars both sit back and go, "Oh my god, I just want to fucking fight this guy. Fuck all this bullshit. This, this, get 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 me away from this. Let's just set up a ring somewhere and fucking fight, please."
1: Yeah, you can't allow the television networks to dictate what uh, date this can fall on.
0: They dictate what a, a fucking a replay of Canelo Triple G
1: is the problem. HBO, that's the problem. Well, it shouldn't be. It, look, it shouldn't be the priority. It should be as simple as this. Like you said, even if they look, even if they can't get the kind of all around promotion that they want as a fighter without going exclusive to a network, okay, that's fine. I don't think that Golden Boy would have a problem making this fight on ESPN if they would move off of their date. Because I know damn well the investment they've made in Lomachenko, the ratings that he has. Uh, turned out on ESPN they want him to continue to rise they don't want to sidestep in the middle when they're on the cusp of something great in the promotion of this guy and sidestep it to a smaller audience on HBO i get that so guess what here look at first i, I blame golden boy because of the idiocy of putting it you know it it, it, it cannot conflict with the pay-per-view replay after That's everybody's... fucking horseshit. Okay, so originally, you know, my first fucking sentiments go blaming Golden Boy. But the reality is, guess what, Bob? Then move your fucking date. Your date has no relevance to anything.
0: Oh, Ken, there's the NBA fucking playoffs and this and
1: that. They and- are trying to catapult off of the coverage that Triple G and Canelo will be getting on ESPN. Yeah. And they want Lomachenko to get that shine. So they don't want to move off that date earlier. If you want to make the fucking fight, make it June 1st, for God's sake. Just get it done. And I guarantee you it can happen on ESPN at that point. As long as Golden Boy's getting their cut, who gives a fuck? Linares is at the point where it's piss or get off the pot. He's at the age in a weight class where, guess what? You may be risking putting him on HBO and not taking this Lomachenko fight, killing his legacy and any future prospects of what might or might not be there for him. Dude, the guy's he, he's gonna be in his mid thirties before you know it, Vin. I don't need to see the English English assassin
0: anymore. No. I need to see this guy fight top tier talent and you have the best in the world there. Don't tell me these political fucking divides and these networks and all this fucking bullshit is the problem. It's promoters. Promoters. Television networks. You are the problem. Stop getting stop being so exclusively involved. And 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 To be honest, Golden Boy has a deal with ESPN to put their prospects on. Right. What is the issue with having a fighter that's not a
1: prospect fight on ESPN? We could go round and round circling back on on, on who the focus of the blame belongs to. You're right. So there's no excuse that, oh, we don't do business with ESPN. No, you clearly do. You have a contract with them. Yes. It's the date. That's it. Yeah. It's the date.
0: And they act like it's the only date and they'll... Both sides will stand firm on the reason why they can't do it on this date and why they can't do it on this date when there is fifty-two fucking Saturdays a year dickheads. Pick one. <laughs> fucking pick one.
1: Oh, then we can't go up against men's and women's mix curling. Um that will that'll definitely put a hit into our ratings. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, Ortiz and Alexander went up against it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. um Yeah, look, I think it's a fight that everybody wants. Nobody wants their fallback options. Cut the shit, man. I'm tired of the story of Ray Beltran. If you're trying to set him up for a fight where he will get knocked out against Vasily Lomachenko, then so or be beaten it.
0: beaten to retirement.
1: Yes, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Have the fight after the Linares fight. If that's what has to happen.
0: But that's the problem. Bob. It makes no difference to him. Beltran or Linares, Bob is fine with either. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about me. Doesn't, honestly,
1: well, he'll I'm be being dead. fucking serious. Well, like, he'll be dead soon. So like,
0: I, I find it very weird. Like There's these groups of people and boxing fans that uh, they like fans of promoters. I don't fucking get it. These guys, I'm sorry. Call me what the fuck you want to call me. They are the problem. And, and a lot of the reason why we don't get what we should get as fans. You want me to be a fan of any of them? You can fucking kiss my ass. You're you're a pain in my dick because you don't you you give me nothing. You, I'm always wanting. Yeah, you leave you leave the fans wanting. Good for fucking you. You can't get it done. You can't cross the finish line in fights that should be done. And I know we've gotten certain fights and Canelo Triple G happened and we're you know, I, I that's fine. Why is that not the norm? Why does that? Why do we have to like?
1: It's the exception.
0: Yeah, it, 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 once every two years we're like, ah, well, they're giving us the fights we want. That's good enough, right? In between that, we'll just take what we can get, and, and most, we'll pay for it
1: along the way. Yeah, but most people are just happy with hot takes on Twitter. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, my guy had hot takes. Um, did you see the latest video on Adrian Broner after being arrested for sexual battery? um walking through I don't know some some place harassing cops and egging them on. It's like, dude, I'm telling you right now, this Adrian and then Omar Figueroa gets a DUI. I mean, dude, we called it when they announced this fucking this show talk. What did we say about that? Fight? They took it
0: off the schedule. They they were listing PBC fights upcoming on a schedule yeah. yesterday. But that one wasn't listed
1: and they listed past April twenty first. When we talked about the announcement of those ten fights or whatever it was Did we not say that it's more than likely that this fight is not going to happen?
0: Yeah. Why would you give – you you, you cannot give guys like Figueroa and Broner a four-month advance, uh, you know. Here's who you're fighting in four months. Uh, You're giving them a little too much time to fuck around knowing they got a paycheck coming. You might want to announce that one like ten weeks before it starts so these guys can't fuck it up. Then a couple days before. And are we really that upset if it doesn't come off?
1: No, no. (laughs) I just don't understand why – why it keeps me like they keep trying to legitimize it. And then, and then we, you know, we talked about how it impacts guys like Jervonta Davis that are supposed to be on the co-feature of this. It makes them look even worse. It's like, dudes disassociate yourself from them. Yeah. Unless Floyd Mayweather has got you on a retainer, unless he's paying you out of his own pocket, a salary like, Oh yeah, well Floyd's giving me $2 million a year, so I'll stick around. But if he's not, Then outside of getting you access to the girl collection and and giving you a hand-me-down mink coat, what is the advantage? There is zero. There isn't one. Adrian Broner is, look, we've been saying he's been heading in the direction. Dude.
0: This is beyond crash and burn, man. This is. He's a piece of shit. He is, man. He's a piece of
1: shit. All right. Well, let's end it on that high note then, Ben. Let's do it, buddy. I mean, that's what we do here, right? Yeah. Do a little shit talking.
0: Hey, It is what it is tell the truth ken
1: tell the truth hey what it is is what it is <laughs> well that'll do it for episode 194 vin uh, get me out of here it's time for a little sunday day drinking my friend sunday day drinking um commenced for me uh, about three hours ago <laughs> when you got here i've noticed yeah but you know what my day is coming to an end very shortly <laughs> i'll be in bed while you're just tuning it up
0: i, I know you will <laughs>
1: Uh, We'll be back next week with episode 195, some big fights coming down the line. But it's Superfly 2 this weekend, Ben. HBO making their annual appearance like one time. Hey, all right. Congratulations. Good to see you, Jim Max. (laughs) Roy. Oh, Poetry Pete. (laughs) Bringing back uh, a good one. Well, thanks to Tom Laughlin for that one, I guess. Yes. We'll be back next week with a preview. Of Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz, Sergey Kovalev makes his return, and Dmitry Bivol squares off against Sully B.
0: You might see another hype train come to an end here next weekend. We'll see. Or two weekends from now.
1: Well, that's why we'll bring it back next week, then. Absolutely. So until next Sunday, for Vince Cummings, I'm Kenny Keith. You've been tuned in to episode 194 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.